Today's episode is brought to you by the Vegas Bear Guys and Tua T Fitness. So I just like, just start saying it. Shants and Chew are washing their mouths out with soap because the How Dare You podcast contains explicit language. That, okay. Shants and Chew are washing their mouths out with soap because the How Dare You podcast contains explicit language. Blah, 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 bitch. Hello and welcome to the How Dare You Podcast. This is the Chill Factor Edition. Chilly in here, Chew. (laughs) My name is Michael Schantz of the How Dare You Awards. Joining me, of course, your special friend, movie novice, Lady Chew. Hi, Hi. Chew. Hi. You know, that statement couldn't be more true at this moment, movie novice, because... I started to watch the movie, and you and I didn't really talk about it. You just said, hey, go watch Chill Factor. And I said, okay. And right. I wasn't sure I was watching the correct movie for quite a while. And a while, I mean like 15, 20 minutes. <laughs> I, did, I wasn't sure I was watching the right movie. <laughs> I'd never heard of this before, ever. Barely recognized anybody. Really? What a surprise. Yeah. <laughs> And you know what? The movie poster, it's misleading. Okay. It makes you think that this is a different type of movie. That maybe the two main guys are like spies or like they know what they're doing. That is not the case. Oh, no, no, no. That is not the case. The extent to which they don't know what they're doing is alarming. (laughs) Yeah. This is a big old yikes. (laughs) Just yikes. (laughs) Okay, ladies and gentlemen, we are talking about Chill Factor, a 1999 film directed by Hugh Johnson. I swear to God, Chew, for a fraction of a second, like on a quick glance, I thought this movie was directed by Hugh Jackman. And I was going to get so mad. (laughs) That's what I thought. But no, it's Hugh Johnson, everybody. Hugh Johnson. (laughs) Just so you know, Chew, Hugh Johnson has directed, this might come as a surprise to you. Nothing. Absolutely nothing else. Hey, there you go. (laughs) You're right. (laughs) (laughs) He has been a cinematographer. He's done The Chronicles of Riddick, G.I. Jane, White Squall, and Aragon. Four movies I know. I'm going to say you know one, maybe two of them. G.I. Jane. With Demi Moore and Vigo Mortensen. Oh, All I right, know that that's movie. One. Oh, God, I love Vigo. Um, Aragon, wasn't that a book? <laughs> I read that book as a kid. The movie was not good. Oh, you've seen it. I saw it when I was a kid, only because of the book. Jeremy Irons was is was in it, right? Yeah. yeah. Look at me go, surprising yeah. you. What was the other one? If it's the one I'm thinking of. Uh, Chronicles of Riddick. Chronicles of Riddick. Uh, I'm not... No, I'm not really into that. I saw Pitch Black, but I, no. Okay. All right. Has he? Remarkably, this movie had a budget chew 
of $70 million fucking dollars. Oh, my God. That's too much. Certainly for what we're seeing on screen, it had an opening week. This is my favorite part. Had an opening weekend of $4.5 million in the USA, Chew. It made $11.2 million. Cumulatively in the world, it made $11.7 million. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, this is a big oops. How fucking great is that? Uh, you know. So. Uh, in every other country in the world, it gathered up about $500,000. Oh, that's great. That's pretty fucking nuts. You'd think they would have spent some of that money in the budget on acting classes. Just like, let's do, let's a refresh. Oh, let's refresh everybody. Fucking deep cut from Lady Chu. Take that, Oscar winner Cuba Gooding Jr. Boom. He's better than this. Okay. We all know that he's better, and I expected better. Okay. I didn't realize until watching this movie that Cuba Gooding Jr. had a comedy shtick. Oh, yeah, that's evident. It's too much. He's he's using his Cuba Gooding Jr. crutch <laughs> an awful lot in this movie. Yeah. yeah. Right? Ugh. All right, uh, before we even get started, Chew, I got a, I got something on my mind, okay? Okay. The other day, I was on a walk, and <laughs> dumb as it may sound, I was listening to our podcast. Usually, I listen to it so that I can listen for how we're fucking up sound-wise. <laughs> yeah. So if I can make it better. Does that make sense? Yeah. So... I'm not so weird that I just have Love to listen to my own podcast voice. because I think. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Although I do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always cutting you off just so I can hear myself. Speak. I know. It's just your show. It's, it's your show. I'm just here. <laughs> okay. Our show. <laughs> You're an integral part of this sloppy mess. <laughs> Thank but you. anyway, I was, I was like, I was I was walking the other day and I was listening to the Van Helsing episode. Oof. And <laughs> I'm sorry to bring it back up, Chu. I am yeah. sorry. But I was <laughs> I was flabbergasted that I was listening to this episode and listening to myself describe Dracula. <laughs> And twice I referred to him as emu instead of emo. <laughs> I don't remember that. Chew, fucking help a brother out. <laughs> the first time you hear emu, you know, say he's not some sort of weird fucking bird. He's a fucking teenager with black hair and mascara. Oh my God, I'm dying. What's the matter with you? I know the difference, listeners, is all I'm saying. <laughs> but I did it twice. Twice I said, for no reason whatsoever, I said emu instead of emo. Did I seem to understand what you were saying? And that's a fucked up, weird looking... No, you're totally oblivious. 
I described Dracula as a weird, fucked up looking bird. <laughs> well, he was. It's very he upsetting. was weird and fucked up. But yes, not not a bird. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> not bird fucked up though. Oh, fuck, that was funny. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I blame you. Your age is showing. Is it emo or emu? God, how fucking old are you? Despite the fact that this is all completely my fault, I blame you. You asshole. All right, moving on. Chill Factor. Chew, this movie uh, garnered 10% on Rotten Tomatoes. (laughs) Wow, that's that's B-A-D bad. That's about 8% more than I expected. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I feel like this was a TV movie. Like, this should have just been a TV, made-for-TV movie. Not at $70 million. (laughs) All right, Chew. Uh, But, yeah, I just felt like I was watching a show on TNT, you know? No offense to TNT. Oh, I felt like I was watching something that uh, a fifth grader made. It's that I'm group sorry, of 12-year-olds. That, those are my feelings. Those are my feelings. <laughs> Don't deny me my feelings. <laughs> They're Chew, valid. For the benefit of our audience, for the benefit of our audience, who might not know what the fuck, like you, might not know what the fuck chill factor is, let's play Chew Describes the Plot. <laughs> this should be, like, Can you? easy and hard, I feel like. Can you tell our audience? <laughs> I know. <laughs> Tell our audience what the fuck this movie is about, would you please? Uh, okay. Uh, shit. Good luck. <laughs> shit, this might be one of the hardest. Godspeed, Because on the surface, you're like, oh, <laughs> this is easy. This is pretty straightforward. But somehow, it isn't. Okay, government... When you're done, by the way, tell me exactly the exact movie that this is like. Okay. It's ripping off another okay. movie. Uh, government makes... Go ahead. Explosive shit, obviously, because, you know, that's what they do in movies is try and blow shit up. Some guy... Get, is it nuclear or chemical? I don't know. It blows up, and it fucks you up. Like, you get super dead. All right. I'll say chemical. It's, it's chemical it just, warfare, uh... I suppose. Okay. All right, go ahead. Government makes up chemical warfare. They test it. Shit goes wrong. Shocker. Somebody gets blamed for it. Colonel or major or captain. I don't know what she is, and I'll get into that later. Uh, Ten years later, he gets out of jail. (laughs) He wants the chemical shit because he's going to go sell it. But then things don't go as planned, and then you get these two yahoos in Montana who wind up having to take care of it. And they're running from the bad guys. And that's that's it. You have these professional killers. Out distancing the bad guys. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And these two Yahoos. <laughs> <laughs> these two Yahoos are ahead of the bad guys in this movie always by about two to three minutes. Yeah. The bad guys are always right on their fucking heels. All right, movie. What movie is this exactly uh, a ripoff of? Are you sure that I've seen the movie that we're talking about? Of course not. (laughs) Because that's a bold assumption. 
But if you haven't seen it, fuck, if you haven't seen it, it's probably our next teachable moment. Uh, I mean, it does seem very formulaic, so I'm I'm not surprised. I think that was in the back of my mind. Like, this is, we've seen this before. I don't know. Tell me. Yes, but I where? Can you give me a hint? 1994's. Mm, Who, who's in it? Hint. I'll, should I give you both actors or just we'll start with one? one? Okay, I'll start with the easy one. I'll give you Keanu Reeves. Um, not speed, because there's no, that's just a bomb. Really? Yes. Speed. Oh, that's a great fucking movie. Yes. I fucking love speed. Not All right. Try. Choose Cena. Yeah. Great movie. If it's on, I, oh man, if it's on, I'm watching Because it. in that movie, in that movie, you can't go below. Oh yeah. Can't go below 50. 50 miles per 55. hour. Yeah. Or the bomb blows up. In this, in this, the bomb cannot Go above 50 degrees. It's a cold bomb, Chew. <laughs> and the villain is ex, you know, ex-military or ex-police officer. And he's he's got a grudge. Right. Okay. Can we get into this bad guy? Wait. Okay. Wait. Oh, I have so much I want to say about this movie. But all right. Let's wait on the bad guy. Let's wait on the bad guy. For starters... What do you want to do first? Grievances? Or do you want to know what How Dare Yous this was nominated for? Let's do grievances. I'm curious of how many you had. How many grievances did you have for this movie? You want to know mine first? Yeah. <laughs> I had 45 grievances. <laughs> oh, my God. I had a country mile of grievances against this movie. Oh, shit. What a piece of shit. Uh, I had a... And you? I had a conservative 25, but that doesn't mean that they didn't deserve more, okay? I just was in... I think this was one of the times... So a lot of times when, you know, we get to a point where we just don't make notes for about 15, 20 minutes because you're just like, oh, fuck, like, I don't even know where to begin. I was in awe. I'm like, there are so (laughs) many things I'm blown away right now. I don't even know what to write. Your mouth was agape <laughs> yeah. watching this movie. So I wrote down 25, but it deserved more. Your husband probably thought you went senile because your mouth was just open, hanging, drool, <laughs> dropping down on your drawers. You're like, what the fuck is going on with this movie? Yeah. How many positives? All right, Chu. What about <laughs> positive points? Yeah. I got all the way up to three. Whoa. I got two. uh what were your what were your favorite parts all right here are my positive points for this movie positive point number one when david pamer walks into the drugstore having been shot with the cold bomb i looked at his face and thought he actually looks clammy like he's almost dead (laughs) great That was my first, that was the best I could do for this movie. Positive point number two. I thought Cuba Gooding Jr. had one funny moment in this movie, and it's part of his funny shtick when he says, when there, it's right after that moment, and then he's telling him he needs his ice cream truck to keep the cold bomb cold, 
and he needs to take it. And he says, you're not taking my truck. And Skeet points a gun at him. And there's this pregnant pause. So it's, you're not taking my truck. Click. How far you got to (laughs) go? Yeah. (laughs) I thought that was funny. So I gave him a positive point for that. And then my favorite positive point in this batshit crazy movie is the moment where an evil person who's I got so much to say about this bad guy. I'll I'll save it. (laughs) But when this evil bad guy is acting evil and talking about the evil things he wants to do while eating an ice cream sandwich. Oh, that scene. Fucking chef's kiss sublime. Oh my God. That scene was a grievance for me. Oh, no. So I laughed so out loud when that ice cream sandwich came up to his fucking, the hole under his nose. Oh, it was amazing. (laughs) What were you two? What were your two? Mine were completely different. I enjoyed uh, when they first introduced. Once again, Chu, I think you're watching the movie wrong. (laughs) Probably. Uh, I liked uh, when they introduced Cuba Gooding Jr. and he's jamming out in the truck to the radio because it before that point we've been taking ourselves real seriously and then cut to Cuba and I'm like, Oh cool. We're jamming out. All right. I needed this like small little relief. That was a positive point. We're, we're scooping at the bottom of the barrel. Okay. Can you see that? Yeah. I was going to say, if you say so. All right. Uh, and then when they're driving up the switchbacks in the truck, I really liked the scenery. I thought that was really cool. And I'll leave it at that. That was a grievance for me. <laughs> really? Like the switchbacks or the scenery? Uh, we'll talk about okay. it. We'll get there. I just, I have questions. Let's talk about awards. Okay. The 1999 year was the second year of the How Dare You Awards, Chew. <laughs> yeah. In these first years, we had some, you know, different categories. You know, the categories weren't quite set. Like, we have most regrettable performance by a TV actor in a film role. Did not apply to this movie. Most regrettable performance by a non-actor in an acting role. Dennis Rodman won that for Simon Says. But this movie specifically was nominated... I think for three How Dare You Awards. It was nominated for Most Forgettable Performance by an Oscar-winning actor, Cuba Gooding Jr. He did not win. He lost out to John Voight in Varsity Blues. This is a rare thing, Chew. It is very rare for a movie to be able to garner both, both a most formulaic and most ridiculous concept nomination. Usually it's one or the other. Wow. But Chill Factor is fucking speed to a T, just supplanting Cold Bomb for Real Bomb and the 50 miles per hour for 50 degrees. It did not win, it lost to Runaway Bride. 
a formula where, you know, two people yeah. not made for each other are actually made for each other. Plus, you have them repeating the pretty woman concept. Yeah. However, this movie did win most ridiculous concept. A dangerous bomb must get to a fort, but also must be kept 50 degree below 50 degrees or it explodes. So naturally, an ice cream truck is the perfect place for it. That's quite a concept. <laughs> the ice cream truck really does it like, send it over the edge. That's the part that's just Too fucking, fucking beautiful. Yeah. Ice cream truck. All right, Chew, we already need to take a break. <laughs> this sloppy movie has taken up enough of our time that we've barely even gotten into the movie. And we got to go to commercial. Listen to these quality commercials, listeners, and we'll be right back to discuss this batshit crazy movie. <laughs> right after this. I like to think I know something about beer. But nowadays, even I get overwhelmed when confronted by the exhaustive selection of craft beers they have at bars, breweries, and even grocery stores. Back in the day, you had one, maybe two craft beers to choose from, and if you were confused, you ordered a Guinness. But in beer stations like San Diego, the craft beer options lately are in double, sometimes even triple, digits. So what's a beer drinker to do? You need what I need. The Vegas Beer Guys. Your beer of choice should be a perfect blend of malt and hops. And so a live show about beer needs that same balance. And the Vegas Beer Guys matches beer expert Dan Aker with self-proclaimed beer novice Stephen J. Weiss. The results are eminently drinkable. They're on Facebook. They're on Instagram. They'll try new beers. They'll tell you about beers. Think of them as your beer sherpas guiding you up a foamy-headed mountain to reach the peak of your pint. God, I need a beer. Emu chew. <laughs> I said it twice. What this says to me is that you're not listening to me at all. That is not true. <laughs> and I don't have an excuse because I don't remember it happening. I need you to be an active participant, goddammit. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm just trying to avoid talking about this fucking movie. So... Ugh. Oh, man. This movie starts with David Paymer, as you told us brilliantly <laughs> in your plot summary. He has made a bomb. The bomb has not been working. This is where we start. We start. What was the name of the island? Do you remember? I didn't write it down. But they're on some fucking island with the army. Along with Peter Firth, Colonel Andrew Briner or Brenner. But he's also referred to as major. He's listed as a colonel. He's referred to as a major. And I then, don't think this movie even. And then the scientist who calls is. him captain at the beginning of the movie. So he's referred God to as three different things. <laughs> what the fuck? 
I could punch somebody <laughs> in the face over this. I don't know why that pissed me off so bad, but the everything was so sloppy. You couldn't, you you couldn't get the name right. You don't know. Who, nobody knows who he is. What he does. So I, did you Hate like it. me? I started some of my very first grievances were the exposition dumps of monologues. The first lines said in this movie are things like covert military operation. I don't like that it's riddled with civilian scientists. Come on, he spent the last two years developing what I can't read in my notes. You hear words like cobalt, ions, reaction temperature, range and power projections. All of this said to me that the writer of this movie had no idea what they were talking about and did no research. At one point, David Pamer says, I just got to move the ions from one side to the other, and then we'll have a big bomb. I hated the beginning of the movie so much based because of the dialogue. I was not interested. I I had no idea what the what the fuck they were talking about, what the point was. But then everyone blew up and I was like, "Oh, okay. I'm aware. I'm paying attention now." Got it. Yeah, what he does though, when David Paymer destroys like he killed so all the army guys die. The only people that live are, I think, the three people in the bunker, right? Yeah. And and they have to make the tough choice of whether or not to open the door to save a man who's not going to live. Yeah. By the way, okay, so let's get into this fucking evil bad guy. Uh, Captain Major Colonel. <laughs> From now on, we're going to call him Captain Major Colonel. <laughs> Captain Major Colonel... That's a I shirt. think this movie is present. Yeah, that's totally a shirt. <laughs> Captain Major Colonel with one big star in the middle. <laughs> Fucking you salute me. I'm Captain Major Colonel. But he is presented in this movie, I think, as the hero. He is presented. He is he is referred to by David Paymer, the scientist as the conscientious objector who is then put in jail as the scapegoat and then the conscientious objector wants to steal the bomb and sell it for millions of dollars, like hundreds of millions of dollars. Like the low ball is going to be $100 million, correct? Yeah. Which is not a lot of money. This whole first scene is for us to set up the objective... Of the bad guy. <laughs> Seems too much. That's who this movie is following. That's how... This movie should have just started with him in jail. <laughs> I'm thinking yeah. of movies like The Rock. You don't have a first scene that describes why Ed Harris is taking Alcatraz prisoner. You find shit out later. You don't have a whole first scene that describes why Ed Harris is doing what he does. So yeah, Captain Major Colonel is given an awful lot of screen time at the beginning of this movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Oh, uh, before we move oh, away from the God. island scene, 
did you notice that the guys who were trying to, you know, pack up their shit because, you know, they're like, hey, we have to be off the island by tonight. Like, we got to go. Did you realize what they were, what they were moving around in the jungle? Potted plants. Yeah, I saw that. I have a notes. I'm sorry. <laughs> what? They're in the jungle. Okay, okay guys, you got to pack up. What, pack up the jungle? Because that's what's going on. Let me just pack up the jungle and put it in the truck. <laughs> Why are we potted plants? Why did we bring those? I wanted one line from Captain Major Colonel that said, and get all these fucking potted plants fucking loaded. <laughs> I don't know why we brought them, but they want them back. <laughs> That's a big this movie, <laughs> this movie has enough hubris. This movie has enough gall to have David Paymer speak out loud the Oppenheimer quote. The whole, uh, you know, now I am become death, the destroyer of worlds. Oh, God. It's too far. How dare you? How <laughs> dare you? From the How Dare You Awards, Chill Factor, how dare you? You go fuck yourself. <laughs> I say that with as much kindness as I can muster. Did you think we watch, so we see the island blast, we see... Uh, Captain Major Colonel being told by the ups that he's the scapegoat. They're going to put him in jail. By the way, if his crime's bad enough for him to be the scapegoat, put him in Leavenworth. Was it Leavenworth? Yeah. Is that a military prison? Right? I guess. They just put him in for 10 years. That's it. You're kind of building a bad guy at that point. Just put him in forever. Yeah. Sorry, life sentence. But they show him going into his cell and sitting down, and then they have title card 10 years later, and when they open the door, he's just sitting exactly the same way. My note was, was he sitting like that for 10 years? <laughs> Did he ever take a meal or go to sleep? He's just extra dusty. <laughs> yeah. Dust him off and get him out of here. And the first thing he does is go to steal the bomb and kill a bunch of people. Ugh. And they didn't age him at all. It's 10 years. Why didn't we age him? He looks no, the same. I mean, you know. Hated it. Age him. It's only 10 years, Chew. But he's already older. He's at least 40. How different do you look from 10 years ago? Ugh, you don't even know. I was way cuter. <laughs> with much less gray hair. <laughs> no, you only see it in other people. No, I, I see it I every day when I look at I the look exactly the same, Chew. <laughs> <laughs> oh, by the way, for that first explosion, one of my grievances, I wrote down, maybe this is a good band name, CGI Bad Blast. I like it. That's pretty good. It was terrible looking. It, oh, yeah. I meant I like the name. The, the actual thing was not. Oh, was no. Not yeah, good. I know. Yeah. I know what you meant. I know that CGI Bad Blast is great. You don't have to tell me. <laughs> but all I'm saying is, if you made a scapegoat out of somebody, you're going to have to assume he's pissed. 
So if you're only going to put him in jail for 10 years, I don't know, maybe do a follow-up. Don't let him drive immediately to where he knows the bomb is and fucking steal it. Yeah, isn't he in violation of some sort of parole at this point? <laughs> right? Like, huge violation. Huge. 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 Uh, oh, wait. Um, By the way, the one thing I did, you said he didn't age at all, but did you notice that his voice got deeper and more menacing? Yeah, he talks like a creep. Yeah. Okay, Chu, so... Right after CGI Bad Blast, we meet Skeet Ulrich. Ulrich or Ulrich? I forget. I'm going to say Ulrich. But he plays... He plays Mason. Tim Mason. But he's only referred to as Mason. Or Night Shift. That's when you know... Huh? Or Night Shift. Yes. Cuba Goody Jr. keeps calling him Night Shift. By the way, this whole movie hinges on the fact that Cuba Gooding Jr. is trying to deliver ice cream at about 4 o'clock in the morning. That's weird. I don't think that's what the way ice cream deliveries work. No. It's, it's pretty bad. But then you have evil guy come in and talk to David Paymer in the diner or whatever that fucking thing is. Where did where where does he work? It's like half market, half diner. Yeah, it's like half bait shop, half diner. <laughs> <laughs> so he basically comes in and says he may as well have said, I have evil plans, just so you know. David Paymer just goes to work, makes no phone calls, gets shot. But also, while Captain Major Colonel is sort of announcing his evil plan, he's doing it right in front of where Skeet is standing. And I kept thinking, isn't he listening to this? Yeah, they were really close. Very close. And then they cover it because when they finally, because they there's no establishing shot of Skeet. <clears throat> and when they finally show Skeet again, he's in the back getting seasoning for the fish they caught. And I thought, oh, I see. So he didn't hear any of that because for five straight minutes he was looking, he was looking for garlic powder. <laughs> Just doesn't make any sense. God damn it. Uh, it's sloppy and it's rude. Did, did you catch, by the way? So they go, they shoot David Paymer. Don't kill him. What a, the, right, upon, right after shooting him and seeing that he's not dead, Captain Major Colonel, the first thing he says is, don't worry about him. Eyes on the prize. And I thought, oh, you're not worried about a living witness? <laughs> like, stupid, classic villain mistake. <laughs> kill everybody. We know this by now. You got to kill everybody. Yeah, spare one guy to go looking for him. Yeah. By the way, follow blood trails. The lack of blood trails in this movie from David, just from David Paymer. Is crazy. He walks into that diner with the bomb, 
covered in blood. But when the bad guys show up back in town and find his car, no blood trail. Nope. How? By the way, falls on the ground. There's like, okay, he comes into the uh, diner slash bait shop holding the bomb, blood all over himself, falls on the floor. Then they have establishing shots of bad guys in the town looking for him. They go back to the bait shop, and Cuba Gooding Jr. has some kind of line that seems to indicate that David Paymer took 10 minutes to tell him the whole first explosion story. Yeah. Because he says something like, and you guys just covered it up? I said, oh, that that guy's dying, but took the time to tell him the whole story. Oh, okay. Interesting. (laughs) He wasn't bleeding as bad as we all thought, I guess. He couldn't have been, because when Captain Major Colonel comes into the store, they've put him in the back, and there's no mess on the floor. Well, I think he was mopping originally. So I think he had the mop bucket out. They didn't show him mopping, Chew. No, he was just like moving the mop bucket itself around. But correct, he was not actually mopping. How early, by the way, did you know that Cuba Gooding Jr. was stealing that van? Um, that ice cream as truck? The first time he asked for cash. Exactly. Yeah. I'll take cash. The fuck you will. <laughs> no, you're not. This movie this movie makes the one person of color in the movie a thief. But I think this movie is saying, you know, he's not a bad black person. He's not really a thief. He's just down he on actu- his luck. He, no, it's not even that. It's like he's just working. He's working for Andy at the ice cream shop and they have a money disagreement. So stealing is how he solves his his financial disagreements with his boss. And how big of a financial disagreement was it to where an ice cream truck was of equal or greater value? Right? It's kind of a lot. Did he save like a prized poodle worth $150,000? <laughs> like were there signs on the streets? $150,000 for this poodle? <laughs> Found your poodle. Thanks. What about my, uh, nope, nope, nope. You work for me, so I'll pay it to you in installments of weekly paychecks over the next, say, 60 years. (laughs) That's not going to cut it. (laughs) Oh, my God. All right, so then the chase is on, right? Yeah, we're heading up the mountain. So here's my thing about this. You said you liked the picturesque. I'll give you that, okay? It's whatever. <laughs> Trees and whatnot. But here's my question. They're on a paved road, and then they make a right turn, and then they're on the windiest road I've ever seen in my life, not paved. Mm-mm. Fucking dirt road? I want a call-in from Dan Aker of the Vegas Beer Guys, sponsor of the show, because he's a Montana boy, Chew. Dan Aker, are there really that many windy roads unfucking paved? Actually, I had to look up 
because that was a question of mine. I had to look up where that was filmed. It's not in Montana. It's in Utah. And some in South Carolina. But I'm thinking that 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 was in Utah. Well, then it makes complete sense. (laughs) (laughs) Why would you have a seemingly heavily trafficked switchback up a mountain road that's not paved? I've never seen so many cars in my life. And no guardrails. Little to no guardrails. None. Can we get the state involved? Like, where are your tax dollars going? I want to know about the municipal dollars of fucking Helena, Montana. (laughs) That's not right. Whether it's filmed in Utah or not. Get your shit together. (laughs) Pave the fucking road. God. (laughs) By the way... This is the part in the movie. Okay, they they escape town. They escape the town by just releasing the parking brake. And luckily, they were on a downhill, Chew. Luckily. Unfortunately, 90 seconds later, they pass the guard outpost, two bad guys on motorcycles, who take a picture, transfer that picture to a computer, print it out, then fax it to a fax machine inside Captain Major Colonel's car. And they say, (laughs) go get them. The bad guys are always 90 seconds behind these two yokels. But these two motorcycles try to do some damage to them. Chew. They get fucked up. Cuba Gooding Jr., commits vehicular manslaughter or vehicular murder in this movie and the response from both him and Skeet is woo! Scary. That's not okay. I mean, they they probably killed the person, the innocent person who was driving the truck that he rammed him into as well. Yeah. Death abound. That would not be my reaction. God forbid that ever happens. That's not going to be my reaction. I'm going to be like, no, fuck. I'm fucked. That guy's fucked and I'm fucked. Um, Your first reaction would have to be, I wonder how you get a new ID. (laughs) I have to become a different person. I need to move to Mexico. (laughs) (laughs) I, you know, if you're not going to take responsibility. I'm a good enough person. I would take responsibility. But don't think Uh, that I didn't consider moving to Mexico. I think you're on your way to Mexico. (laughs) I've seen the way you say goodbye. I've heard the way you say goodbye to our audience. You're fucking (laughs) straight to Mexico. That's what you're doing. (laughs) Good day. (laughs) And then cross the border. (laughs) Good day, America. Go fuck yourself. America would say, you know, you did kill somebody. Yeah, but Mexico. He was a bad guy, so it's fun. All I'm saying is I was alarmed at how excited they were to kill a person. Yeah, that's, that's I get a big that you no-no. feel in danger. I get that you feel in danger. But don't but... care about it. That's just rude. Ooh, the, the exuberance with which you killed another human being. Yeah, maybe 
maybe have kind of made problems. my hair stand on end. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like you need a quality therapist <laughs> to sort through some shit. That's all I'm saying. Agreed. All right, Chew. We're gonna take another break. Okay. And then we're gonna finish up factoring the chill. <laughs> All right. We'll be right back, everybody. Does the coronavirus have you feeling oogie? Have you been sitting on your couch for weeks? Nay, have you been sitting on there for months? Well, it's time for you to get back in shape. Check out 2AT Fitness. You can find them on Instagram. You can find them on Facebook. 2AT Fitness was started by Tina Bernard. She is ready and raring to go to help you get back into the shape you want to get into. They've got all kinds of classes. They've got outdoor in-person classes. They've got online classes if that's what you prefer. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to get back in shape. You're going to find a variety of exercises. You're going to have strength training, cardio, weightlifting, even fun five-minute burnouts that will push you to your limits. So get off the couch, get into shape. Go ahead and check out Tua T Fitness. Tina Bernard has got you for all your needs. I know her personally. She's fantastic. You're not going to meet a better person to help you become the new you. Check it out. And we are back, ladies and gentlemen. Chu and I are here discussing 1999's Chill Factor. Chu does not have my back when I fuck up emu. An emo. (laughs) Just never going to get over it. (laughs) Rule of three, Chew. Fair enough. Speaking of rules, this movie follows none. God, isn't that the truth? This movie, Chew, I really honestly believe that this movie thinks it's a thriller. There's nothing thrilling about it. It's No, but this movie presents itself as like action-adventure thriller. Yeah, it's not, though. It's a big, fat lie. This movie has a rocket launcher. Not only blow up a truck, but, I don't know, at least a 20-foot-wide hole in the fucking ground beneath that truck? <laughs> yeah. I don't think that's... I'm not, I'm not an expert. All of my knowledge of rocket launchers is based on previous rocket launching movies, but I don't think that's how they work. No. It's like they knew the movie was bad, and they were like, hey, let's just blow a bunch of shit up. No one's going to know the fucking difference. (laughs) Well, that's rude and not true because plenty of people notice the difference because you only made $11.5 million. I'll say... Were you surprised when the ice cream truck tipped over? When they lost the ice cream truck? Yeah, I thought that was going to go a little longer. Although I'm, it's fine that it didn't. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. I just thought, what are they going to do now? And then that guy crashed into him with a boat. And I thought, oh, no. Ugh. I did not like that scene. <laughs> and they did exactly yep. what I hoped they wouldn't. How do, I, how do you survive that? You don't. You don't. You fucking don't. 
for the listeners, just so you know, they take a, well, it's not even a rowboat. It's a motorboat. It's a motorboat. And they ride it down the side of the hill twice going over portions that the director is telling us is a sheer cliff drop off of 10,000 feet. But it isn't. But when they, yeah, but when they go over it, it's a steady grade. (laughs) Oh, also, huge grievance. When they (laughs) finally launch off the side of that mountain and land in the water with the boat, like falling out of the boat, and the boat and the two men fall into the water, that boat is upside down. And my first thought is, oh, they're fucked. They're never going to be able to turn that boat over. Cut to them coming out of the water both screaming happily because they're alive and climbing into the boat, which has righted it itself, apparently. And no one's injured. That boat should have, should have at the very least, concussed you. Nobody was it hurt. It did lose its engine. They did have to paddle. Oh, but they luckily, they got the two paddles. Those didn't go missing. Nope. Interesting. So convenient. You know, this movie is rude in the sense <laughs> that you rude. assume that I, as the viewer, am stupid enough to just follow along aimlessly. No, no, fuck you. That's rude. You can't just throw shit together and assume that I'm not going to catch it. You made a bad movie. This just in, chill factor. Chew isn't stupid. <laughs> Assholes. <laughs> Uh. <laughs> Moving on. We don't have a choice. We have to move <laughs> yeah. on. This fucking movie. Oh my gosh. You just knew because in that first fishing scene with David Paymer and Skeet. <laughs> yeah. He's explaining about trout and how they're the perfect hunter. And you have to trick him so that the prey becomes the hunter. And he just knew that was going to come back, right? Oh, yeah. They couldn't have figured out a different analogy. They picked trout. Trout. As we all know, Chu, trout, perfect hunter. (laughs) I don't know if that's true. That's another t-shirt. Just a picture of a trout, (laughs) perfect hunter. That might be one of my favorite ones yet. (laughs) I would wear that shirt. Fuck yeah. (laughs) And no one's going to get it because nobody saw this movie. Oh, yeah, no. (laughs) $70 million they spent. On what? (laughs) I also love, so you have this whole thing. The way that the prey becomes the hunter is skeet takes all of the chemical compounds the what i'll call the blue gel out of the bomb casing and replaces it with i'm not sure what something he found in another bait shop bait slash diner shop but i assume it's some sort of bait 
So he loads that into the actual canister, takes the 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 shitty part out of the canister and puts it into a poker chip container in a cooler filled with ice. You know, because we're still worrying about the temperature, people. Yep. Okay? Don't forget that that's at play this whole time. (laughs) (laughs) To make this movie exciting and thrilling. So he fakes them out. He's got the thing over a dam. He exchanged because Cuba Gooding Jr. gets caught, by the way. He's trying to steal another ice cream truck from Andy, which you think would be a hundred fucking miles in the other direction. But no, they're close. They're within walking distance. Just couldn't give up that ice cream truck. We needed another one. He actually considers letting Andy die. You know, for humor. Well, well, well. I guess I get to decide if you go, Andy. (laughs) Meanwhile, the bad guy is saying, I'm not joking. Three seconds. You know, because he's bad. (laughs) Because he's B-A-D bad. Like, creepy bad? Yeah. Yeah. He already ate his ice cream sandwich at that point. And he didn't, he doesn't have another one. He just had the one. So he's cranky. What he did was evilly, which is a word I'm saying is a word, he evilly <laughs> ate an ice cream sandwich. <laughs> evilly. Even that doesn't even sound right. <laughs> no. Uh, how do you, like, eat something and then just, like... Scowl. Yeah. You're just mad at it. Like who scowls in the middle of an ice cream sandwich? I don't know. Like why? Are you you why go are you fuck mad? yourself, Captain Major Colonel. It's a fucking ice cream sandwich. Be grateful. Shit's good. <laughs> I love it too. So, at some point, by the way, shout out Daniel Hugh Kelly, who Chu doesn't know, from an '80s show, Hardcastle and McCormick, which Chu also doesn't know, but he's in this fucking movie. Is he the actual Colonel? Yeah, he's the guy wearing plain clothes. And glasses all the time. (laughs) Yeah, glasses all the time. But my favorite part of this movie is the real army shows up. Fucking Captain Major Colonel doesn't give a shit. He's just lazily hanging out at the (laughs) dam, arm on top of a fence, pulls out the, the evil compound shit, which, by the way, is fish bait at this point, but he doesn't know that. Neither does the army, you know, because it's blue. Faked him out with blue chew. Oh, rhyme. Blue chew. (laughs) Faked him out with blue chew. So he says, he says, you know what I can do with this, right? If you shoot me, I'm going to drop it and we all die. But then he puts it back in the canister and seals the canister. Daniel Hugh Kelly says, all right, we're leaving. As you requested. His army sergeant guy says, what the fuck are you doing? We're leaving? And his line is, we're outmaneuvered here. What? That shit's safe in the canister. Shoot him. The canister can drop two feet, can it? Problem solved. 
But the army decides to leave, which means that the bad guys can now chase our two yokels as much as they want. That would never happen. It's fucking great. And you brought up a good point. Yes, the actual canister can drop a couple feet because it was in the backpack on top of the ice cream truck, the first ice cream truck, on the switchback roads rolling around while they were fighting. When they kill another guy with a rock. Exactly. They drive him into a rock, which was another woohoo moment. More death and mayhem. Good job, Night Shift. Good on you. Great driving, Arlo. No consequences here. Nope. Jeez. (laughs) These guys are going to jail. (laughs) By the way, they try to escape again by stealing... I think, was it a UPS truck? Yeah. Why are they always escaping in the world's slowest fucking transportation? Can't they just get a regular car? Just get a car. Stupid. Son of a bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking. But the greatest, dumbest part of this movie is this final scene in the tunnel. We haven't even talked about Asshole Cop yet. No. Knew he was going to make a reappearance, that's for sure. Oh, man. Asshole Cop introduced <laughs> introduced to us by hating Mason for no good reason. He just says things like, I've seen your jacket. I know that you did this and this. It's all like... They try to give him a backstory. They try to give Mason a gut-punch dramatic backstory, which is a football player who was going to go to the NFL, and once he got drafted, was partying with Mason. They were hitting bars, and then Mason drove his car into a ditch, and now the guy's... Not going to be able to play football. This is why Mason's been a drifter. Yeah, why isn't he in jail for manslaughter? Or, uh, it's not manslaughter, well, he he's not alive. The guy. He is alive. Yeah. Reckless and dangerous. Until he came to this small Montana town and befriended a scientist who makes bombs. Sounds about right. Bit of an odd pairing. But, at any rate... Now, asshole cop is in the tunnel waiting for them at the behest of Captain Major Colonel because he thinks that Captain Major Colonel is on the up and up. He thinks he's the guy trying to get the bomb back for the good guys. He's been duped, Chew. (laughs) (laughs) Did you, like me, in that moment, because they have to stop the UPS truck, They're like, get out of our way. The bomb's at 49.8 degrees. We're getting close here. And he says, no, I'm not letting you pass. And then they go to check the... Cuba Gooding Jr. says he's going to check the temperature of the bomb. And he says, stay right there. Cuba Gooding turns around and says, shoot me. And then goes to check on the bomb. That made my heart 
flutter. Like, I, 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 my heart was jamming in my chest. A black man announcing to a cop, shoot me. You don't want to give a cop a chance. Not this cop, especially. No. Ooh. <laughs> that, was a, that was a bold statement. Luckily, big, uh, Chew, I'm going to call your bluff. The cop was able to learn his lesson. Bless him. And now he's part of the heroes. Look at that. Yeah, I know. They keep talking about sealing the tunnel. And then... Then you find out that on one side, they only exploded a fucking truck. (laughs) On top, there's a fucking vent. There's nothing but fucking... All kinds of ways for this bomb to escape this tunnel. Right? Yeah. It's got multiple avenues. And nobody took them. I suppose by the end they try to... They get the the people out through the vent on the top of the mountain, or the top of the tunnel... They do launch missiles onto the one side that was going to get them out, but conveniently didn't missile the other side yet that they had come into. They just exploded a car of bad guys, more death and mayhem of bad guys. And they conveniently wait, which doesn't make any sense at all. Nope. Because they keep saying there's a time issue. Daniel Hugh Kelly's like, Mason, I gotta missile it. So he missiles the one side, but leaves the other side open. This is horseshit. They should all be dead. None of this makes any fucking sense. Not to mention the fact that Captain Major, Captain Colonel Major, whatever the fuck his name is. Captain Major Colonel, (laughs) too. Captain Major Colonel and his female sidekick, who's annoying as all fuck, somehow (laughs) survived... Their car explosion. Oh, why, yeah. Why and how? Terrible. They did not. Uh, they did not survive that crash. I mean, that missile. Because you, they wanted to give the audience a close-up of Captain Colonel Major getting incinerated. Major Colonel. I don't. See, I need, we need to make it a shirt because I, I can't remember. Can't keep track. Write it down, Chew. Okay. You're the keeper of the shirts. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Did you write down the trout predator? No, but we need to. I didn't want the the mic to pick up the the scratching of the pencil. I don't care. You write it down. We can't forget these (laughs) t-shirts. Because they're good. (laughs) God damn it. So, yeah, the bomb does go off. They throw a bomb in the vent on top. They finally seal up the other side. And then you have CGI bad body burn. Yeah. I just don't understand how... In closing the explosion in a mountain, like the mountain itself contained the explosion. Why would that have made a difference? Why couldn't the like the heat signature just get through the rock? Do you understand what I'm saying? What am I, a scientist? I just don't know. I just don't feel like that makes any sense. I would say that's a hole, personally. I don't know that it's a hole. I mean, I get that it could be contained. I guess my only concern is that tunnel seems like the only road to get to somewhere. And apparently you won't be able to enter that tunnel for 10,000 years. 
Uh, yeah, that's fair. No one's going near that for All right. quite a while. We're basically done, Chu, but can we talk for a moment about the end of this movie? The end of this movie shows our two heroes going through all of this so that they can get what, Chu? Pussy. <laughs> Why did I say it like such a creep, too? You did. It was great. I was thinking dates with the medical staff, but I'm glad that you just <laughs> threw out pussy. <laughs> Uh, you know, I do wish the movie had ended differently. I mean, obviously. Um, I'm sure you were glad to see it end, oh, though. Oh, God, no kidding. But the colonel, you know, they're trying to, like, get money out of the deal and be like, hey, we need, like... Captain Major Cap- Colonel? No, the, no, the, the real guy. colonel. The real colonel, He's yeah. like, actually, you know, I should just, like, I should uh, kill you. I ya. could throw you in jail. I could kill you. I could kill you. <laughs> There's a lot of things I could and do. And I thought... Oh, we're good, then. <laughs> and I thought... No, he should kill them, and then the movie just ends. <laughs> they should die, and then boom, done. No chance of a sequel. Nope. Thwap, thwap. <laughs> you could still have the two, uh, the two ladies who were what, what, you know, they were ambulance. Yeah, they were paramedics. Right. Yeah. Paramedics. And they just come over to their dead, lifeless bodies. Damn, they were hot. Yep. And then credits. By the way, that, that colonel guy, Daniel Hugh Kelly, is talking about how top secret all of this is. And then the two paramedic women walk over, just announcing everything the army told them. Hey, we hear you're heroes. We hear you stopped a bomb. We hear you killed Captain Major Colonel. Good job. <laughs> yeah. Suck your dick. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this movie was so fucking bad. Do you recommend it? No. Genuinely, I no. I think I do. I think I do. No. I think this movie can only be seen to be believed. I just, I am... I don't think our listeners could take us seriously. That this movie thinks it's a, an exciting adventure thriller movie. Unless you actually watched it. I think the thing that really sent me over the edge is Cuba Gooding Jr. and Skeet Ulrich. Uh, The acting was not fucking good. And they're both better than that. And I'm really upset about it. Not not a lot of chemistry between those two. They're just like yelling at each other and obnoxious. As a buddy cop movie, this movie didn't work. No. I just hate it. Even though they're not cops. Problem number one, not cops. (laughs) So it's, they're trying to do a buddy cop movie. They're trying to pull off Lethal Weapon, and it ain't working. Yeah, it just chew. What's the drinking game for this movie? Oh, why is this always a surprise for you? I don't know. (laughs) Well, you give some thought. Well, I I thought about it last week. You know it's coming. No, you always say, "Oh, I didn't think about that." I definitely thought about it last time. If you say so. I can't so. remember what movie we watched last week. 
<laughs> Must have made an impression. <laughs> As do most of these movies. Ugh. Uh, I would say... Oh, fuck. Every time Captain Major Colonel does something creepy, just like says something, ugh. Like, why are you such yeah, not a bad. fucking weirdo? I just, that makes me mad. <laughs> I'm just mad about it. <laughs> What's yours? <laughs> well, as always, you're trying to think of something that won't kill somebody. With alcohol poisoning. So if you said something like, every time something ridiculous happened, then we'd be killing listeners. Yeah. Because it... So it can't be that. start to finish right there. So I was thinking, every time blonde bad girl does something mean. That's all she does. She's... Right. God, she's the worst. But don't you think that's a good number of drinks throughout the movie? Yeah, that's good. They're evenly spaced. Yeah. I like it. But not her. So we'll just hold we'll just hold the vote now and say that I won. I win. I'll let you have that. <laughs> we'll let the audience decide, Chew. Your terrible idea or my great idea. Okay. Well, easy easy there. I'm not the one who confused emo and emu. Loser. Yeah, no help from you, <laughs> dickhead. <laughs> God damn it, that makes me mad. I just imagine people listening to that emu. <laughs> Fucking idiot. It's because he's I old, you, you guys. He's 65. He doesn't know the difference. <laughs> I'm going to be at your funeral. Cackling with laughter. <laughs> Your husband's going to be like, hey, man, that's fucked up. <laughs> yeah, but I won. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> All right, that's it. Ladies and gentlemen, if you have something to contribute to 1999's Chill Factor, please let us know. Find us on Facebook. Find us on Instagram. Let us know on Twitter. Send us an email to the How Dare You Podcast at gmail.com. For Lady Chu from Tua T Fitness, I am Chance from the How Dare You Awards. Let's see if we can have a nice one, Chu. Say goodbye. Bye, everybody. That was okay. Not bad. Good day. Good day to you. Is that it? Did you, did, okay. <laughs> <laughs>